0: On today's show, Luke and discuss our thoughts on the most improved and six-man announcements. We'll also give our predictions on who will win the other awards. Hope you enjoy it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Black and White Podcast uh, with my co-host, of course, uh, my boy Luke. Uh, I got to ask first, you know, how are you doing, my friend? How's, how's life going? How's everything hanging?
1: You know, things are going quite well. Uh, obviously, with the, the COVID-19, B.C. is doing a lot better than Manitoba uh, on the decline and sort of having a sense of normalcy almost there. But get my sex and vaccine in a couple of couple of days. So I'm excited for that. How about you?
0: I'm so over the moon. I know COVID knows, you know, is a you know, time of sadness uh, and it definitely is. It sucks, you know, to be restricted. Uh, but you just, you know, you just gotta kind of have to make the best of what you've got. So, you know, for the viewers, people might not know, uh, I'm also a school teacher. So I'm sort of dealing with, rem- uh, remote, maybe a bit different than other people. I've kind of in at the mercy of the government, uh, for the most part, uh, but we're currently teaching remotely right now, which, uh, I'm relieved about a little bit because, uh, we're not at risk anymore, uh, of any sort of transmission that was going on. Um, speaking of doses, I actually got my first dose today, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, I'm hoping to get my second dose when I'm eligible as soon as possible. So I can travel the heck out of Winnipeg. I can tell you that. (laughs) Um, so I'm happy about that. And of course, I mean, come on guys, you see the background, you see what I'm wearing. I'm a Chelsea fan and I couldn't start. I couldn't start the segment without talking about my Champions League win here. So it feels good to win the Champions League. Uh, that makes two. Uh, maybe we'll have some soccer segments on here as well that we can, uh, you know, have some conversations about as well. Uh, but I'm I'm definitely over the moons. Uh, I feel like this is going to be probably one of my favorite so- podcast uh, episodes <laughs> that we do, so uh, let's get it going. Uh, okay, let's, I got some yeah.
1: time to find Barcelona, gotta <laughs> yeah. wait until they win something important.
0: <laughs> well, Barcelona's Barcelona's are like perennial winners for the most part, besides, of course, the last couple of years, but you know. They have a history, so I don't feel too bad for you guys. You'll get it. Of course. Some, of course. Aguero, that Aguero <laughs> signing will definitely help you guys out <laughs> somehow, 33-year-old. Um, but yeah. Um uh, let's uh let's start. Uh and let's let's begin with a segment on uh the NBA awards. Um so not only are we gonna you know talk about you know uh you know pre-game talks about round you know around uh round of playoffs uh and post game talks about uh, the playoffs as well. Uh, But we thought, you know what, let's do some interesting segments as well. Uh, You know, Luke and I thought about and we have some pretty cool ideas. The first one that we're going to talk about here today is the NBA Awards. Uh, So we're going to go through the first two that have already been announced uh, uh, with the shortlist uh, and just kind of announce the winner and just, you know, give us our thoughts uh, on those, you know, particular winners. And then we're going to give our uh, predictions for the other uh, four or five awards left. Um, They will probably come out uh, uh, in separate days, uh, but we're just going to sort of wait it out. Uh, But we do want to give our predictions for those awards that do have a short list uh, of three for each. So uh, let's take a look at the first award here. Uh, Let's go with the Kia uh, NBA Most Improved Player. So uh, the short list in this case was Jeremy Grant from the Detroit Pistons, Michael Porter Jr. from the Denver Nuggets, uh, and Julius Randle, in this case, from the New York Knicks. The winner is Julius Randle from the New York Knicks. Uh, so, Luke, you know, what are your thoughts on Julius Randle winning Kia's uh, NBA Most Pro- uh, Most Improved Player of the Year?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't think this is much of a surprise for me. Um, I mean, looking at what happened, he got 98 of the first place votes. I think there were only two that he didn't get, so fairly close to a unanimous. Um, He's the sixth player in NBA history to average 24 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. You know, joining the likes of Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain, Jokic, Robertson, Westbrook. So a pretty good list of players. Um, and just seeing what he was the previous year to this year, and helping the Knicks get into the playoffs and sort of be their own team. Um, I think that it's really well deserved. I think that Porter Jr. and Grant had great seasons. Uh, but I just think that Randall had a all-star season, like a superstellar season. So it's not anything against him. It's just that his season was just that much better than everyone else's. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to completely agree with that. Um, another stat here that's really interesting, I'm just kind of taking a look uh, through as well, uh, is that he averaged 24-10 rebounds and six assists. Uh, you know, there's only been, uh, in this case, six people that have been able to do something like that. Um, Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain, Nikola Jokic, Oscar Robinson, uh, and Russell Westbrook. So that's a, uh, you know, pretty lofty company, uh, that you're putting yourself in. And again, I, I completely agree. Uh, just to summarize really quickly, uh, you know, being able to take, uh, I think like he wasn't just, you know, an X factor on this, uh, Uh, New York Knicks team he was the catalyst as I like to say I like to use that word a lot but he was the main uh he was the you know the main guy on that team that sort of propelled them to a fourth place finish unfortunately uh I mean we can we'll talk in the future not doing too well uh but again uh it doesn't take away from how great uh Randall is and yeah you know with the other two I think uh Porters you know had a pretty good season uh as well as Jeremy Grant but if you you know if you uh uh, again, look at not only uh, their place, uh, but um, the impact that those individuals have on their team, uh, it just it, it sort of just points to Julius Randle there. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to completely agree with you there. Uh, let's look at the next award here. Uh, the next award is uh, that's, you know, I, I like to, sometimes I like to call it the Lou Will Award because uh, it's the six-man award. Uh, That man has won it a bunch of times, uh, but he's uh, not on the short list. Uh, We do have a nice little short list here that I'm just pulling up. Uh, So for the six-man short list that we have here, of course, Jordan Clarkson from the Utah Jazz. We also have another six-man on the Utah Jazz, uh, Joe Ingles, which is uh, pretty interesting. And we also have Derek Rose uh, from the New York Knicks. Uh, So the winner uh, to, you know, no one's surprised as well, is Jordan Clarkson from the Utah Jazz. So again, uh, Luke, what are your uh, thoughts on Jordan Clarkson winning this award?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, like you say, it's interesting to see two teammates uh, in the top three for this award. It sort of means that it's a well-balanced team. It means that the coach is using all of his players. Um, and it's Clarkson and Ingalls were both very high um, voted in terms of first place votes with... Uh, 65 for Clarkson, 34 Mm -hmm. for Ingles. Um, To me, what's an important factor in this and why I support picking Clarkson is um, Utah didn't really succeed as well as they could have, you know, first place in the West this year. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? It's Clarkson being there for an entire season. Obviously, coming over last year from Cleveland, um, you know, playing only half a season with the Jazz. This year, it's a full season. And, you know, maybe he's not the only person involved in the the changing, uh, position, but obviously it seems like he's a big factor in it. Mm-hmm. And while Joe Ingles has been there for a long time. Right. And so for me, it's, you can sort of see the impact in terms of how they finish the season.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the stats that I like to, I, I pulled up as well. I'm, uh, I'm starting to get addicted to NBA.com here. <laughs> uh, but one of the stats I really, uh, 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 really sort of, um, uh, describes Jordan Clarkson's character uh is a scorn here so i mean playing is like you we've talked about already his first season or his first full in utah uh he's re- actually recorded two games of at least 40 points five games of 30 uh and 23 games of at least 20 points off the bench so remember six man award we're looking at guys uh that have played a significant role or time uh you know uh on the bench not uh, uh clearly not a starter uh, he scored 40 points against Philadelphia uh, and 41 against Golden State on May 10th. Ooh, my birthday. Uh, giving him in this case uh, five 40 point games uh, uh, in his uh, or in this case, uh, off the bench in jazz history. So um, basically what I'm trying to say is uh, one well deserved and two, I mean, he is an absolute scoring monster, uh, which you know we've seen in the past with uh, a few of the six mans that's won it. We talked about Lou Will. Uh, being an absolute, you know, uh, uh, scorer. Another guy, Jamal Crawford, uh, who can just put the ball in the bucket. He's another one of those guys to sort of cut from that same cloth. Uh, Jordan Clarkson's also really carved a very nice role in Utah. And he's not a guy that, you know, if I'm a Utah GM, I'm not letting him go. Uh, I'm finding a way to, you know, make sure he's uh, in the books for a long time. I think he's a relatively still, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he's still a relatively young guy. I, I don't know. 26? 26, 26. I have no idea.
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: Like he's seeing yeah, he's a relatively young guy. So Utah, I'm telling you right now, you gotta find a way to keep that guy. Um, he's going to be uh, an absolute monster. Hopefully, you know, he continues uh or the Utah continues, you know, their pace uh in the playoffs as well. So mm-hmm. uh, any last thoughts on uh that?
1: No, I think the I think it's obvious. Once you see the results, you're like that player is definitely rewarding of that award. And I don't think there's any question here that both of them were very well deserving of what they got.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, I'm going to keep one of the, one of the awards f- best for last <coughs> coaches. Uh, we're going to talk about coaches last cause we're, we're coaches ourselves. I'm a little, I'm actually a little bit more excited about uh, talking about coaches than I am uh, some of these players. So let's get to uh, the next award. Again, this one has not, these next set of awards have not been announced just yet, Uh, What we're going to do is just uh, outline the players that are uh, in nomination and we'll sort of give our own predictions, maybe talk a little bit about them uh, and see sort of, um, you know, uh, who, who's very likely to win that award. Uh, So let's start, uh, let's go with Rooks. Let's go with those, those Rooks. I think this one's going to be an easy one to talk about maybe, Um, but uh, let's talk about the Kia NBA Rookie of the Year. So uh, we have uh, three, we have three options here. Uh, we have Tyrese Halliburton from the Sacramento Kings. Uh, we have Anthony Edwards uh, from the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, of course, we have polarizing LaMelo Ball from the Charlotte Hornets. So, Luke, what's your thoughts just overall on these players? And uh, where do you think uh, where do you think that Rookie of the Year award is going to?
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, at the beginning of the season, before the draft even happened, I said that LaMelo Ball would be the best player in the draft. Uh, and I think I also said that he will be a star player very shortly. Um, I wasn't so high on Edwards and Halliburton really wasn't in conversation. I think uh, as a Phoenix Suns fan, I was kind of hoping they would draft him a little bit farther in, but you know, that's really the only reason I ever thought about him. And so I'm going to say true to what I said, LaMelo Ball is obviously the star player in this list. I think Edwards has a chance. I think he'll steal a lot of first place votes, but I think at the end of the day, uh, it would be similar to what the uh, six-man award was, like a 65-35 split. Um, but I do think LeMelo Ball, even with the time missed with his wrist, it's apparent that he's a star already. And he he changed the way Charlotte plays as a team. And I don't think Edwards had the same impact on the Timberwolves as he probably should have, mm-hmm. especially when Towns and um, all the players just, like, died, really. right? Like, he didn't have the same impact that you think he, he should, should have had. But no knock on him is, I think, again, it's a sort of case of Ball being uh, otherworldly and Anthony Edwards being an amazing rookie. Yeah, yeah so.
0: for sure. Um, uh, just my own two cents. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I think it's actually, in, it's, it's weird. It's, it's actually in perfect order from what I, f- I felt like. So it actually, when I said it was 3 two, one sort of thing, um, I think Halliburton has been probably the third best rookie uh, in this class. I think uh, he's shown, you know, uh, 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 you know, decent starting material. Uh, but I don't, I don't think he's had an extraordinary rookie season. I don't think uh, I think maybe partly because it's the Sacramento Kings. Uh, and I mean, he, he stepped up and I think maybe part of it had to do with, uh, uh, you know, Walton system of running gun, uh, plenty of opportunities to score in a system like that at least from what I've, what I saw in some of the regular season games, Anthony Edwards uh, was sort of, it's weird. He was sort of slow to start off uh, on the bounce, Uh, but you, you saw glimpses of, okay, this, you know, this rookie is, you know, going to be something maybe, you know, borderline all-star, you know, a very, you know, solid starter for them, uh, especially on a Minnesota team. Um, I think, uh, you know, he's put on some really good performances and, course, you know, what What else is there to say about LaMelo Ball? Um, of course, you know, you need a little bit of adjustment, but I think what really helped him was uh, Australia. I think, you know, playing in this case, um, uh, uh, getting a chance to play against grown men, uh, getting, you know, uh, has really benefited. As we talked about, you know, we talked about Dontage, how he, you know, he makes the NBA look easy. I think LaMelo Ball being able to play, you know, on that sort of uh, grown man international stage, um, has really helped him you know translate his game back to the NBA uh, and we're you know we're seeing that with his triple doubles he might uh, I mean this is something we can talk about as well he might be better than Lonzo Ball he might end up being better than Lonzo Ball if he's not there yet um, but uh, in one year he's already shown me uh, quite a lot I don't, what do you what do you think of that what do you think of him possibly being better than Lonzo Ball already or is that is that just a little bit too out- disrespectful
1: no I wouldn't disagree already I think um I mean, I think with Lonzo Ball, it's, he doesn't seem to have the same impact on his team as Lomelo Ball does. And I mean, if you take the route of, if we switch them, what happens to the teams? I think very much so that the Pelicans make the playoffs, and I think the Hornets don't. Um, and it's, it's not no knock to either ball, but it's, you know, Ansel's style of play is fit to be the third, fourth man. I think Lomelo is fit to be the star, the guy on the team to mm-hmm. make everyone better. I think that is the difference in this case. That's why the youngest ball is the best ball. and Mm -hmm. I would want him on my team.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see his trajectory. Uh, But uh, uh, I I guess we haven't mentioned uh, our predictions yet, but I think we're both, I think it's pretty clear that we're both going with uh, LaMelo ball for the rookie of the year here. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of time we've been talking. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we're going, we're both going to go LaMelo ball for rookie of the year nominations here awards uh let's talk about another award uh we have in this case the kia nba defensive player of the year i love defense i'm a coach uh, but i always sort of pattern my game uh through you know defensive schemes um even as even my own personal sort of uh, uh as a player as well i've always been uh, more of kind of a defensive first guy um so i, I think first of all these nominees well deserved uh so we have uh, from the Philadelphia 76ers, we got Ben Simmons. We got Draymond Green from the Golden State Warriors. And we got Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz. All three of these guys have been nominated. I don't, correct me if I'm wrong. Have all of them, have all three of them won the this Deep Way? I know Rudy Gay definitely, or uh, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gobert definitely has. Draymond Green, I think, has. Ben Simmons I so. nominated. I don't know. He might have won it.
1: Recently. You're making me think about things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Am I making you question? I'm not sure,
1: I'm not sure if Ben Simmons has it, actually. I, don't honest, think so. last year. I know
0: he's been nominated. I know he's been like kind of I know in he talks there. about
1: being the best defender all the time, so maybe Without he's one of his win. own in his own head.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. I'll definitely yeah. take a look at that. But what do you think about those three nominees? I mean, they've been around the block for a bit on defense. Um, who wins it wow. this year though? Who gets the nod?
1: I feel like if it's not Rudy Gobert, I quit on the NBA. Uh, (laughs) I think Rudy Rudy Gobert has had one of the best defensive seasons in the history of the NBA this year. I think it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, defensive metrics are always hard to make up and always hard to, uh, to look at because all every single metric you use, there's always Mm -hmm. a different player. That's number one. Right. Uh, But in this case, Rudy Gobert is the best in four of these different metrics. So Things like the 538 defensive Raptor, ESPN defensive real plus-minus, and threes defensive estimated plus-minus, B-ball index, D-LeBron. Uh, these are all you know the Raptors from 1977, real plus-minus 1996, D-Dunks and threes 2004, and B-ball indexes from 2009. Rudy Gobert is number one in all of them, and oh, he's and when you look bro. at the list. When you look at the list, like the list is different for each one. Like Ben Wallace is in one and Dikembe Matambo is in another and, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Paul is in one and Dwight Howard's in another. Right. Rudy Gobert is number one in every single one of them across all these seasons. And so to me, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not unanimous, but I would be definitely surprised if he doesn't win it. Like to yeah. me, he's, he's done everything to be the number one defensive player of the year. Hands down. I know that I know that Ben Simmons might say otherwise, but <laughs> in this case it's Rudy Gobert in my mind.
0: Yeah, he might have gone away with you know winning the rookie of the year uh on a you know on that year. Uh but yeah, I I'm gonna defer to you. Uh I mean I've I've seen Rudy Rudy Gobert's impact on the defensive end. Uh compared to these guys, I think uh it's noteworthy that Draymond Green is there. He uh just uh you know to put in perspective, uh yeah, Draymond Green has won one 2017. Uh, Rudy Gobert won uh, back-to-back D-Boys 2018-2019. And it it seems like from your case that Rudy Gobert is probably going to win it uh, this year. Uh, Ben Simmons does. I'm sure, you know, Ben Simmons deserves a nod there. Uh, So I'll be interested in see how that shakes up. But I think, uh, again, it it sounds like we're unanimous here. We're going to pick Rudy Gobert to win uh, the Defensive Player of the Year for 2021. Um, Let's move on to our second and final award. Uh, this one is usually the main one, the main main one that's uh, usually talked about. This one is the NBA MVP award. Uh, so our finalists uh, for the MB, uh, MVP in this case. Uh, we got Nikola Jokic from the Denver Nuggets. We have Joel Embiid, big game Embiid here with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, and interesting enough, we have Steph Curry uh, from the Golden State Warriors uh, in there as well. Um, so I'm sort of, uh, uh, interested in asking you, uh, does team performance is team performance going to matter on this one?
1: Um, I think it's relevant. I definitely think it's relevant if you're saying that you're the best player in the league, but your team didn't make the playoffs. I think that's a hard, hard thing to sell. It's not to say that Steph Curry didn't have a great season, but if you're saying you're the most valuable player to me, value is getting your team somewhere that matters. So in this case, the playoffs is what matters. And so to me, if you're the most valuable player to my team, you're going to get me there. You're not going to miss the playoffs if you're that valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's no knock to statistics. Like stats-wise, you might have had a great season, but that's only really relevant in fantasy. And, um, and obviously, so to me, I think it's Jokic. Nikola Jokic is the MVP. But obviously, it's this is probably the award that's always the hardest to tell uh, because they're the three best players in the league. And you're basically at that point you know, nickel and diming to figure out who's a little bit better than the other one. Mm-hmm. But I think to me in this day and age of resting your stars, I think Nikol Jokic's um, durability, I think is important. Like I think he played the second most minutes of anybody in the league uh, behind Julius Randle, mm-hmm. right? Um, to me, that's important. To me, being that effective at 26, 11, and nine, basically, it's basically a triple double, and mm-hmm. being that effective is is quite impressive. While also playing all those minutes, and not taking a day off, mm-hmm. um, while having a body that doesn't look anything like all the other stars, like he looks like a, a guy you'd find at the grocery store, <laughs> other than the fact that he's seven feet yeah. tall, right? Yeah, um, and just impacting the game in a in a level that is not often seen. Yeah. I think Steph Curry is a great player. I think Joel B is a great player, but those two players are struggling with. Um, were you valuable if you didn't get your team into the playoffs? Uh, how durable are you if you sit out every second game? And, and to me, that's not really the what an MVP should stand for. MVP should be I'm giving my all like Kobe Bryant giving us all like all the time. Michael Jordan giving us all all the time. Those guys never sat, right? But when the round won the MVP, he rarely sat like he mm-hmm. was playing all the time. I think it's the same. But again, I, I think this one's the most debatable of them. And so if Steph Curry wins, I wouldn't cry Um, like I would if Gobert didn't win the defensive player. But Mm -hmm. I think that Jokic wins it this year.
0: My issue, and my issue has always been with the MVP award, uh, when Harden made us relevant in Houston, uh, was that the MVP award almost felt like a a narrative. It almost felt like there always has to be a narrative. There has to be a, what's the best story? Uh, and, you know, oftentimes, you know, we get, for example, voter fatigue, or, you know, sometimes just people want a new story or a new headline, Oh, this, you know, this guy's been relevant. This is a big year for him. Uh, but mm-hmm. then oftentimes they forget uh, to sort of compare the MV- between the MVPs uh, uh, and recognize that this person actually has a better MVP season. So I've always had that tip with the MVP, uh, because um, it's a it's a, it almost feels like a media. I mean, it is a media word in, in some respect because who are who are typically voting for this? It's the media, um, so they're always going to go with well, what's the best headlines? Uh, and sometimes they forget uh, or they lose their head and they forget about what MVP really means. So I really appreciate the definition you also gave uh, and what it means to you. I think uh, that's probably a much more uh, uh, much more agreeable definition that a lot of people will have. Um, so I, I won't talk about how many Harden's been, st- uh, MVP has been stolen from him, but that's okay. We'll, we'll move on from that. Um, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm actually, I'm going to go, I'll, I'll switch it up. So I'm going to go Joel Embiid, forget it. Uh, I do like your uh, opinions and hard to disagree with them, but, um, I'm going to go, I'm, I got to go with my African brother here, man. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm definitely going to go with Embiid on the MVP. I, I assume you're going to go with Jokic here, uh, with the MVP. Yep. yeah Yeah. all right confirmed uh and last but not least uh you know it's a little bit weird to uh leave the coach of the year for last but again uh we have a very special person as a nominee that i'm sure luke is going to be talking about uh for the rest of this podcast so uh that's why i kind of want to leave it best for last and of course we're coaches as well so we might have uh, uh definitely a lot more insight uh, uh, sort of in the mindset of these particular coaches. So uh NBA coach of the year nominees we have um uh, from the Phoenix Suns, Monty Williams, uh number two in this case, or uh, in the, in the nominees here Uh we have from the New York Knicks, Tom uh, Thibodeau, Thibodeau, whatever you want to say. And from the Utah jazz, we have Quinn Snyder. I got to say this kind of looks like a meth head. Uh but uh <laughs> Quinn Snyder. <laughs> Hopefully I don't get demonetized for that. Uh all right, Luke. So um I mean coaches coaches for us is a really special thing. And of course, you know, you have a special thing for uh Monty Williams uh and his you know uh Phoenix resurgence. So the question I'm gonna ask here about uh sort of the coaches here is it's is it one of you know when we compare maybe not with the New York Knicks but with the uh with Quinn Snyder. Um, is it, is it, you know, when you look at uh, a team, uh, that was, you know, relatively irrelevant, uh, and has become the second seed, is that more impactful, um, you know, uh, to, you know, pick the coach of the year than say, you know, you, a Utah jazz team has, that has sort of been in the ring, uh, has been, you know, in the top, uh, in the top echelon, uh, for a bit, does that sort of, you know, key into your decision about uh, who the coach of the year should be? Well, I
1: think uh, as a coach, you're obviously a teacher. You teach how things are should be done, and you teach how things, how you can get better at what you're supposed to do. Um, and so for me, a lot of it can come down to where was the team before he showed up and where was the team after he mm-hmm. showed up. Um, but, you know, it's very subjective at times. Uh, in this case, obviously, I do think that Monte Williams is the coach of the year. Um, that, that Phoenix Suns team was a disaster before he showed up. Yeah, like I think 28th on offense, 29th on defense. After he showed up, they went to sixth on offense and 18th on defense, uh, and and they've only gotten better since. <clears throat> and so for me, it seems like what do you what do you do to make your team better? What do you do to make the players better? Uh, and I think the the best example of that is Cameron Payne. Um, mm-hmm you know Chicago Bulls said after the second practice of, the, of his career they thought he would never make the NBA and they were going to get rid of him and now Cameron Payne's like a, not a star player but an important player on the Suns team sure sure was it was it that he just he transformed his game amazingly i don't think so i think it's a coach giving him a chance and helping him build and teach him how to play the game and you know having Chris Paul as a as a leader as well doesn't hurt um but I just see that the, the progression of the Suns going from the worst team for the last nine years to going eight, zero in a bubble and then going to second in the West this year, Mm -hmm. I think is makes it very deserving of the coach of the year. And I don't think it's a knock against Quinn Snyder or Tom Thibodeau, obviously getting the next to the playoffs and making the jazz number one, but I see the, the transformative growth being so much more with Monta Williams.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Uh, which leads me yeah to new york as well what do you um of course utah's kind of always been around the ringer there too but i think new york sort of has a similar background i mean they've been irrelevant and they haven't been in the playoffs as we said for such a long time and they've been struggling as well in the east so you know what what Mm -hmm. what impact do you think tom thibodeau has or has you know uh uh, on the new york knicks is it more the players in that sense or is it more you know what he's brought because we've seen him in different teams before and that, you know, hasn't really brought up the success, namely, you know, Minnesota Timberwolves. So what, you know, what, what, what do you, what do you think? Tom well, I think for
1: Tom Thibodeau, I think he, I think he's had an impact on the next, I think, mm-hmm. those younger guys. I think the next problem is they tried to buy away out of the out of the issues it mm-hmm. and be smart with the players they select and the players they sign. And they just tried to buy themselves out of it. I mean, they signed four power forwards over a summer. Why are you saying four players that play the exact same position, the exact same style? And I think they got rid of two of them by the end of it all, or something like that. But like, you know, I mean, getting Derek Rose, getting Tarskos and getting players that Tom is comfortable with, I think it's very apparent that he needs that comfort to succeed. Right. Uh, Not to say he's not a great coach. I think obviously he had a major impact on the next. I think it comes down to the fact that I think Monte Williams' impact was just that much greater.
0: Right, right, right. And Of course, of, as well, you know, people might say, well, this is Chris Paul's team and Chris Paul's an extension of the coach or a coach himself in that matter. So what, again, same sort of question, you know, how much of it is, you know, Chris Paul's impact on the Suns because they did come at the same time. Uh, and, you know, tr- uh, people will say, well, it's more Chris Paul than it is Monty. What, what would you say to someone that says something like that?
1: Yeah. Well, in essence, I wouldn't disagree. I think uh especially at the NBA level, a coach is a manager of uh, personalities. And in that regard, the, the best player and the point guard is often an extension of what the coach wants to do. And if that point guard doesn't buy in, you see the team fall apart. And so what I what I find is it's it's the it's a symbol of their relationship. It's a symbiotic relationship and how they work together. Uh, you know, multi billions. Has an idea, he conveys it, and Chris Paul is the one who buys it in, and so does everyone else because of it. Yeah. Right. If you don't have, if you don't have Chris Paul, I don't know if you have a, as great of a season because there's no one there to convey and right. buy into the coach's ideas. And because Chris Paul has that previous experience with Monty Williams with the Hornets,
0: yeah, true. I think
1: I think that makes it even better because they already have a rapport with each other. Right. You're not trying to build something because it's already there.
0: Yeah, it was seamless as well. I apologize. Uh, Monty Williams has been there for two years, right? He was there last year. Yeah, yeah. I, there, I, so. I, the reason I remember is because I watched, I was at, I've been to, well, I, I've, I've been to two Phoenix Suns games now. I went, uh, Phoenix is uh, is like my second home. Uh, so I got it. Last time I went to Phoenix before COVID, I got to go see the Suns play the Houston Rockets and then they play the Nuggets, uh, sort of back to back. Monty, yeah, I, I have to agree. I think Monty, I don't know what it is about Monty, but he has like the perfect balance of being a player coach. Right. And, you know, uh, being in you know an actual you know uh, an actual coach as well, and the, sort of in the mix there, I think he has a good report with. I'm, I'm sure uh, he has a really good report with all his players. I don't think there's too much of a disconnect. And again, he is—he correct me if I'm wrong—he was a player himself in the NBA.
1: Was uh, he? I don't I know. know about the NBA. He was a player. I know that for he was sure, a player
0: but though, maybe not NBA caliber. Interesting.
1: I think as he was see most of these. Doc Rivers was his coach in the NBA. So,
0: okay, so then yeah.
1: Yeah, he played in the NBA.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. So he does have you know NBA pedigree. Uh, he's been there before. Uh, he's still. I mean, he looks relatively young. I don't know how old he is, but again, black don't crack. So uh, he, he's a young dude. <laughs> he's a, he's a young looking dude. So I think he just relates to these players, and I think they, like you said, I think they play hard for him. So uh, and that's that's a really important responsibility we talk about as well with coaches. Is I think. Uh, uh, when you you know who your best player is and you know they have also captain ability, uh, you have to you have to get them sold on you know what you want to do with this team. You have to have clear goals, you have to have a clear message, you know clear sort of philosophy. It doesn't have to be you know f- uh, for any new coaches, here. it doesn't have to be anything like concrete new and you know uh, you know something that you're reinventing the wheel on. It's just you have to have something. You know you have to have a philosophy on defense and offense. Uh, so that you know your players understand, uh, you know where where you're going with this. So uh, I think Monty's clearly uh, set that plan out. Chris Paul has bought into it. You can see the rest of the players have as well too. So I think we're both uh, we're both going to go with the same guy here. I think we're both going to go with uh, uh, the great Monty Williams on this one. So uh, right choice. <laughs> Luke definitely didn't put a gun to my head earlier today about this, but uh, no, no, no. I, I actually really like Monty Williams. I'm not even just saying that. Uh, uh I, I really like him. I like I like where he's going. I think he has uh I think he has, you know, a bigger future out there for the NBA. Uh, whatever capacity it may be. Uh if he's done with coaching, whatever it may be, but I like him. Luke, you have any final messages uh for this podcast?
1: No, I just think uh like we've been saying, like these are the top three choices for all these awards. they're all very deserving of recognition. It's just that sometimes those players the person who wins is otherworldly compared to the rest. It's not that the other two or any were actually not deserving. It's just that, you know, that guy was just that much better, mm-hmm. you know, and the reality of it is to be nominated for any award is always um, deserving. You're always deserving when you get nominated for something because it means that you were recognized by somebody. Yeah. Um, so you don't need to have that medal to be relevant.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to give a boost to all these guys, especially the new ones that we talk about. Those rookies, those improved players, six-man guys. Mm -hmm. It gives them a boost to see, as you said, you know, I'm being recognized by my peers or whoever is, you know, uh, acknowledging me here. So uh, let's finish off there for today. Um, We've uh, given you a nice picture, a nice black and white picture, but again, it's up to you to this, you know to fill that Blowing in the color let me say. i stole his line for this <laughs> one we'll give him back his line next time folks all right we'll finish <laughs> off here take care bye